Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. We have been in a brand new series, had a great kickoff last week. It is titled Deadly Relationships. Deadly Relationships. And with this series, I'm going to reveal to you a lot of the deadly habits we allow into our lives that will kill off any relationship that we have. These habits want to attack the relationships that are in your life right now. And this looks a little strange because to me, what the world says is a healthy relationship is far more scarier than how this looks, right? What the world says is a healthy relationship will bring disaster on your life quickly. And so what I want to do is show you that relationships were created to be a blessing from God. Because the first relationship that we know of is the Holy Trinity. It's the Holy Trinity. And we learned that last week. What are some other things that we learned last week? We learned that relationships in the beginning were perfect. But let me ask you this, why was it perfect? Let me give you the answer. Because the first established relationship that Adam ever had was with God. Before he had a relationship with Eve, he had a relationship with God. Everything was perfect. And then we know, according to the book of Genesis, that they walked with God. They talked to God, meaning they put God first in the relationship. And guess what? The relationship status was very good. It was very good. Until what? Temptation happened until temptation came into the relationship and they were distracted. And once they fell under temptation, the relationship status changed. If you remember, what did they do? What was the first thing that they did when temptation came into their life? They hid. Now listen, they hid from each other first. They covered themselves because they were naked. They were vulnerable. They hid from each other. And then that led to them hiding from whom? God. They became guarded, no longer wanting anybody to see into their life, into their heart, into their situation. Even though they were married, they were still guarded and vulnerable and afraid to bear it all. This is what we know about the relationships once temptation came into the scene. They started to hide. And so the relationship status became very complicated. Here's the truth. Relationships in the beginning were perfect. Today, it takes work. Today, it takes work to have a healthy relationship. But still, the truth remains, relationships are a blessing from God. Because guess what? You're not meant to do life alone. You're not meant to do life alone. You may be strong. You may be independent. But you're still going to go through hard times in life. And guess what? You need somebody, especially the body of Christ, praying over you to keep up the faith, to keep going, to keep being strong, to keep being in the word and do not give up. For God said in Genesis chapter two, verse 18 over Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. And so he created a wife. He created Eve, his best friend, a helper to help him along the way. God has created relationships in our lives to be a blessing to be a blessing. But in order for a relationship to be a blessing, what must happen? God must be in the center. In order for your relationships to work, 
In order for your relationships to last, God must be in the center. Now, let me ask you, what does that mean? What does that mean? I've had conversations about, yes, pastor, I agree. God should be in the center of my relationship. And I ask them, what does that mean? And they're like, okay. They say one of the churchy things, God is my rock. Hallelujah. Okay. What's that mean? Um, it means God is my strength. Hallelujah. All right. Can you be a little bit more clear? God is strong. <laughs> he's, he's rocky because he's my rock. I don't, I don't know, you know? Let me make it very clear to you today what this means. It means a God-centered relationship means putting God first above everything else. Putting God in the center before you make a decision as a couple, pretty God. Ask God first. Before you go up to a friend and you have a very difficult conversation and you feel like you need to put them in their place, first of all, pray to God. Help me, Lord, to have gentle words to be able to speak to my friend so that their life can change for the better. Because when we're in the flesh, a lot of times we want to cut people down. We want to look at somebody and say, how dare you? Why did you make that decision? That was dumb. God will put you in check because that's not what he called you to do. He called you to be a light in the darkness, to show love because he shows us love and grace every single day. But it's important to have a God-centered relationship because, listen to this, I'm going to give you a revelation. We are all born with something that only God can change. We're all born with something that only God can change in us. And because we know that we are born in sin, what do we have to deal with in our life? The answer that will attack every relationship you have is selfishness. Selfishness. The Bible makes it very clear. Listen, without God, we're all selfish because we want to live for our flesh. Our life, everything we do is for us. I want this. I want that. I don't like how that feels. It's all about me. It takes God being into the center for us to give it over to him. And I want to prove this because the first family drama that we see out of the Bible is caused by selfishness between Cain and Abel. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. I'm going to read the ESV translation. But it states, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, if you remember, I've been over that before. In the course of time, Cain brought the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fatty portions, meaning Abel brought his first and his best to the Lord. And so he pleased the Lord. The Bible tells us that because of this, the Lord had regard, had respect for Abel and his offering, but Cain had no respect. His offering had no respect from the Lord. So Cain became what? He became very angry. He became downcast, his face fell, which means he became frustrated and jealous with his own brother. If you have siblings, you may know how this feels. Maybe you had one that always got away with everything. Maybe that younger one that everybody thought was cute, you knew they weren't so cute. And sometimes it really upset you. Here's the thing though, it can be funny as kids. As you get older, it could really hurt. If these things aren't dealt with within the family, sometimes you could feel hurt that you're not as loved as somebody else. And so it could be very easy for the enemy to get inside of your head and say, well, they don't love you as much. 
Now, God's going to tell you to forgive and show them grace, but the enemy is going to tell you, no, you need to get back at them. You need to prove yourself worthy to them. What was the root of Cain's problem? It was selfishness. How do we know? Because Cain was greedy. Let's look back at the text. Verse three gives us all the clues. Remember, when Cain brought his offering, it states, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord. In the course of time, if you remember, means that it's his leftovers. In the course of time, meaning that he took as long as he wanted, got what he needed, and gave to God what was his leftovers, which means God doesn't want your leftovers. God wants your heart. Because what it's all about is about trusting who God is in your life. And when you give your first, when you give your best, you are declaring, God, I'm giving you everything that I got, and I trust that you will provide and get me through. But you also know that you are created to serve God. We are created to worship the Lord. But in the course of time, he held on. He was building up for himself and not trusting the Lord. Do you understand that this is a very dangerous personality trait? It's dangerous because if this is how he treated God, guess what? This is how he would treat other people. And this is what selfish people do. Instead of giving you their best, they give you the leftovers. They give you the leftovers in their life. What is it like talking to somebody who's selfish about your problems? What do they do? Exactly. It's not pleasing because you start to talk about yourself and what you're going through. And then at the end of the conversation, somehow it's all turned around towards them and you're praying over them and you're like, hey, what just happened? All right. Selfish people will only give you their leftovers. Why? Because, listen, selfish people treasure themselves. And Jesus gave this warning. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, New Living Translation, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. It's not always about money or greed. Sometimes it's about vanity. Sometimes it's about yourself, right? And selfish people treasure themselves. And it also means this, because what we see from Cain and Abel's story is something uh, very fascinating to me. Cain was blind by selfishness. He was blinded by selfishness. I told you just a minute ago that he was jealous of his brother, but he could not see why God was blessing Abel. Why was God blessing Abel? Because Abel was being obedient and giving everything that he had, which means Abel was being selfless. Cain was being selfish. Abel was being selfless. But Cain never saw this revelation. He never wanted to change because all he could see was himself. Selfishness will blind you from the truth. Selfishness will blind you from the real root of the problem. I didn't mess up, you did. It's your fault, everything crashed. You didn't deserve that position, that's my position. Anybody should be lucky to date me, why am I single? because you love yourself so much, there's no room to love anybody else because that's the treasure of your heart, yourself. Here's the truth. Selfish people will suck you dry to feed their own ego. 
It will suck you dry. They will take everything from you, make it about them, and it will bring disaster upon your soul. So because of that, I have titled this message something a little different. But the title of this message is this, Beware of Selfish Vampires. Beware of selfish people who want to suck you dry to feed their own ego. All right, I want to show you three biblical dangers about the deadly habit of selfishness. The first danger is this. I need you to understand. Yes, we are all born selfish, but we need to be born again. We're all born in sin. We're all born selfish, but we need to be born again. Romans chapter five, verse 12, New Living Translation. When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. And Adam's sin brought what? Death. The punishment for sin is death. And death spread to everyone, for everyone had sinned, which means we inherited sin from our father, Adam. That's what this scripture is saying. We have inherited this behavior of selfishness and sin, and we have fallen in this way, even as a child. Let me show you. Psalm chapter 51, verse 5, New Living Translation. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, a sinner. Any parents in the room? Raise your hand high. You know exactly what this verse means, don't you? Because if you have children, what do you hear the most? That's mine. Don't touch it. That's mine. This is mine. How dare you? Don't look at it. Don't smell it. Don't sniff it. Don't be around it. It's mine. Sometimes as a parent, you want to be like, it's actually mine. I bought it. You don't have any money. All this is mine. Stop arguing. Or if there's any mothers in the room, you know what it's like to lock yourself in a bathroom just to eat a piece of candy, to see those little fingers under the door saying, I know you're in there. Free exorcisms after the service. If... Too far, too far. All right, listen. But we know what it's like as little kids. We're always saying, it's mine. What happens if that's not put in check? As an adult, you're still stomping around saying that's mine and it's your fault. This is a deadly behavior and it will kill off your relationships. Nobody will want to be around you. Nobody will want to confide in you or be there. And what does it do as an example for Christ? Well, I don't want to go to church if Christians are this self-centered because I need a changing and that doesn't look like it will change me. Listen, here's the truth. We're born selfish. We're born sinners. We need to be born again. So thank God that we're also able to inherit grace from Jesus for redemption. Let me show you. Romans chapter 5, verse 15, it continues. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. We're born selfish, but we can be born again through Christ and see his grace. The second danger is this. Selfish people have deceiving hearts. Selfish people have deceiving hearts. You thought they loved you. They said the right things at the right time, but their actions didn't line up with their words. 
Remember, the Bible warns you, know a tree by its fruit. And be careful for those who speak a lot of flattery over your life, okay? Because you really see their heart by their actions. And selfish people will say all the right things, but do completely the opposite. And what happens is a lot of people feel trapped in the relationship because they want to believe the person, but they keep getting hurt over and over and over again. I want, I want to check out this story in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Because if there was somebody who was very selfish out of the New Testament, it would be Judas. Not only did Judas betray Jesus, but he always knew what to say. He knew the right words. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I want to share this story with you. It's the New Living Translation. It states, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany. The home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. And I know this sounds funny, but this was very expensive, okay? Very expensive. And what did she do? She took this and anointed his feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. What a beautiful picture to give it all to the Lord. See, that only happens in your life when you realize how much grace God has shown you. When you look at your life and see the mistakes that you have made and that God still loves you and he's still here in your situation, it's in those times that you worship him and say, God, I give you everything. I give you everything. But notice the clever words of Judas, verses four through six. Judas Iscariot. The disciple who would soon betray him said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. Now listen, he said, that should have been sold and the money given to the poor. How noble of Judas to say something like that. Oh, that's expensive. And this really was, it was a year's wages given to the Lord to wipe his feet. Imagine how difficult that would be. What you worked for for an entire year to give it over to the Lord, to anoint him, to to be in his presence. And Judas sounds like he's saying the right thing. You should give that to the poor. That's a lot of money. But his heart was deceitful. Listen, Judas's treasure was not the poor. It was himself. He loved himself. Verse six, not that he cared for the poor because he was a thief. He was in charge of the disciples' money. And guess what he did? He often stole it for himself. On the outside, he was saying the right things. But when nobody was looking, he was taking from the Lord. Taking for himself. This is what a selfish person will do with a deceiving heart because they only treasure themselves. And I love what Jesus said. He literally just said, leave her alone. He already knew. He already knew his heart. He knew what he was doing. And you know what's crazy about that idea? Let me ask you this. Who put Judas in charge of the money? Jesus. That's fascinating. He put Judas in charge of the money. Now, why would Jesus do something like that? It wasn't to be mean but it was actually to give him a chance to repent. 
Because a lot of times out of the Bible, we will see God place somebody in an uncomfortable situation over something that they struggle with so that they can repent or see a miracle take place in their life. It is your job to step out on faith sometimes to be uncomfortable to see what God can do. And sometimes God will put you in charge of the things that you don't want any part of to be around it. Let me just give you one example. Moses, when he met God at the burning bush and God said, I'm going to speak to you. Did Moses say, all right, let's go. Moses said, no, I can't speak. I don't have good words. I don't have great speech. There's no way that I can do this. God said this out of Exodus chapter four, verse 11. I love this. He said, who makes a person's mouth? Who decided whether people speak or do not speak? Who decides who hears and who does not hear? Who sees and does not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you on what to say. This passage of scripture changed my life. Because when God was calling me to speak, I related so well with Moses. God, I don't want to. I don't like attention. I can't speak. There's no way. In fact, my wife saw my first sermon. Hallelujah. Somehow we made it through. I dropped it all over the floor and I gagged on stage. Let's not talk about it again, okay? It was terrible. But I held on to his word because I kept hearing God say, no, I've chosen you to speak. I've chosen you to speak. Moses was afraid, and so he, he said to God, okay, can I bring my brother Aaron? And God allowed it. So with Aaron, he still did incredible things. And guess what? He found his voice by being uncomfortable. Let me say that again. He found his voice by being uncomfortable. He had to go through something that he felt he could not do to overcome it, be in charge of something. That's why Jesus gave Judas the opportunity. But what was different? Judas only saw himself. It's destructive to have everything in your life focused on yourself, to walk away from God for the things that you want. You don't even know what you want. What you want today can be completely different from what you want tomorrow. It changes, but guess what? God knows not only what you want, but what you need. And that's why we have to follow him. But Judas was blinded by his own selfishness. And the final danger is this. This is big. Selfishness is the worship of yourself. Selfishness is the worship of yourself. Let me say it loud and clear. This is a satanic nature to be selfish. What is Satan treasure? He treasured worship and had the position over God. Let me show you. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, New Living Translation. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I'll preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Satan wanted the position of God. What do we learn from this lesson? When you live in selfishness, there will always be a fall. For Satan was thrown down to the earth like lightning and he fell 
And guess what? If you're living in selfishness right now in every relationship that you have, it will cause a fall in that relationship. A fall with your friends, a fall in your dating life, a fall with your family, and guess what? Eventually, a fall in your marriage. Because you become two separate people. God said, I, I created you both to come together to become one flesh. But somehow the world has has convinced us to live for ourselves, only desire things for yourself, do your own thing, be independent in this way, and leave the other, not talk to the other, and be guarded. And the next thing you know, you're two completely separate people living under the same house. And it's scary how easy it could happen. I got an illustration for you. You guys come over here. I want to talk about relationships. Can I move this a little bit? Am I good? Am I going to mess you up? Go ahead and let her sit down. So let's, let's pretend, okay, <laughs> they're on a date and the relationship is good in the beginning. Why is it good in the beginning? Because you're being selfless. A lot of times you're being selfless. He's gonna laugh at her jokes even though he thinks they're not funny. And she's not gonna tell him about the spinach in his teeth while they're eating, okay? You're being selfless. And so a relationship starts to work. You have all the feels. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. I don't know why I keep singing. This is the second time. I gotta stop that. I was, that is not planned. I'm just telling you guys, it's not planned. Holy Spirit's moving, I guess. All right, so anyway, in the beginning, everything is God. What do we know too well? Over time, we get too comfortable. And when we become comfortable, we open up a door to be selfish, to be all about me again. What do I want? Let me share with you three different attacks on a relationship when you allow selfishness into your life. The first attack is this, disorder starts to happen. Disorder starts to happen. James chapter three, verse 16, New Living Translation. For whenever there is jealousy, and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder of evil of every kind. What happens? Why is there disorder? You see, in the beginning, you may put God first and you put others first, but as you become more selfish, you start to put yourself first above everybody else, especially God. So that causes a disorder in the relationship. Now, what's the second thing? The second thing is this. You no longer understand how people feel. No longer listen. I don't care. Why? Because it's all about me. Listen to this. Here's your warning. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, New Living Translation. Fools have no interest in understanding. Why? Because all they want to do is air their own opinions. Have you noticed in some relationships they stop caring? They stop listening? And when you're trying to share something that's good on your heart, all they can do is talk about themselves. This is selfishness. And the Bible warns us of this. This is scripture that I'm reading you. This is what selfishness will do in your life. But the third is very concerning. It's so big, we're gonna bring out two boxes, all right? Third is this, you become a monster. You do, you become a monster. Second Timothy. Chapter three, verses two through four. And we know as we get closer to the end days, more people will live for themselves. But it says this, people will love who? Only themselves. They will only love themselves. They will love their money. And because of that, they will be boastful and proud. 
scoffing at God, listen, disobedient to their parents, they're ungrateful, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others because guess what? When you only love yourself, you have no self-control. It's like impulse to do what you wanna do for yourself. But they will slander others. They will have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will hate what is good and they will betray friends. Now, what is this? You already know the answer. You can't say it. It's a wall. What I'm trying to explain to you today is this. Selfishness will build walls in your relationships. And what used to be good in the beginning, all of a sudden now you are divided by yourself because you're living for yourself. I have to ask you today, are you living for yourself and everything that you're pursuing? If you want help in a relationship, or your dating life, or your marriage? Are you even praying to God about what to do? Or are you just saying, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is what needs to happen for me. You just build a wall. Because the Bible says the complete opposite. The Bible doesn't tell us to be selfish. The Bible tells us to be selfless. And here's the deal, I don't want you to be like Cain. I don't want you to have a spirit of Cain where you are frustrated and you're jealous of everybody else, but you're too blind to see that the reason that they're being blessed or the reason good things are happening is because in everything that they do, they are being selfless and giving it all to the Lord. And have you noticed out of the book of Genesis, the grace that God was showing Cain? He was telling Cain to repent. He was telling him to change. What not because all he saw is himself. God created relationships for a blessing, but the world today will make it a disaster by living only for yourself. Will you give them a hand? Thank you guys so much. I wanna ask you a question. Is your selfishness getting out of control? Do you feel like right now, every conversation you have, you're blaming somebody else? You have these problems, but it's always somebody else's fault or what they're doing in your life because you have been blinded for what maybe you could not see. And Jesus taught about this. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, in this passage of scripture, Jesus told a parable because a man was pleading with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, listen, you gotta talk to my brother. He's being very greedy. All right, my father's inheritance was left to both of us. We we're supposed to divide it evenly, but he's trying to take it all. Will you please tell my brother not to be greedy? And Jesus tells a parable. And it's one of those parables you read and you're kind of like, ah, I don't get it, you know? So let me explain to you. It's really good. Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21, New Living Translation. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. Then he said, I know, I will tear down my barns and build a bigger one. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods and I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, oh, isn't life good? Pretty much what he's saying. 
I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for many years to come. Now take it easy, drink, eat, and be merry. That sounds like culture today. In fact, the reason why this passage of scripture may be confusing is because we've always heard this is a good thing. God, I don't get it. He's built himself up wealth. He has all these things. He has so much that he doesn't even know where to store it. Why can't he just sit back and be pleased by what he's been able to make? Listen, this is what Jesus said. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person, listen to the wording, is a fool to store up earthly wealth and not have a rich relationship with God. What does this mean? What was Jesus trying to say? A selfish fool will live alone. A selfish fool will live alone. Let me ask you this, why is he a fool? I'm gonna make it very clear. He is not a fool because he has wealth. Wealth can be a blessing from God. He's also not a fool because he was storing up for the future. It's good to do those things. It's good to have plans. But he was a fool because in everything that he did, he did it for himself and he had nobody to leave it to when he was gone. All he saw was himself. I'll build up all this wealth. I'll do all these things. Let me ask you, how many relationships are you neglecting to build up for yourself? Important relationships with your parents, in your marriage, with your friends, even your children. And we're missing these opportunities and we're not even promised tomorrow, yet we keep chasing and chasing and chasing to build up our own wealth. Look what I have. But it's not that important when you feel alone or you have nobody to pass it down to. And, and Jesus was saying, you live for yourself. You wanna build all these things, but you don't even know when the day will come for you to pass, for everything good that you have, you think it's you, but it's not. James chapter one, verse 17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our father. You may work with your hands, but God says, who gave you those hands to work with? You may take pride in your position, but who opened the door for you to get that position? And God says, it can be taken away in a second. You cannot control tomorrow. So why would you build up all this wealth in your life only for yourself and build no relationship with God where you will be with in all eternity? You don't know when the time is up. Listen, every selfless act could save the lives of many. You don't even know. God changed my sermon yesterday. I was at this part. I had a lot of other points to give you. It didn't feel right. And God reminded me of something. This is something I actually have never shared before, or at least part of it. Now, I have shared with you in the past, as far as being selfish, I had a problem with giving. I was selfish in that area of my life. It was hard for me to give. In fact, I've admitted to you that even as a pastor, I was not giving to the Lord. I didn't feel like I had enough. I couldn't do it. And then finally, I've shared with you 
but I got tired of it. And one day I said, God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm just going to give you my tithe. I'm going to give you my offering. I'm tired of being selfish in this area of my life. I don't want to be like Cain. Seeing all these other people being blessed or just happy. It may not have had much, but it just felt so burdened by this. And what I had was enough to pay my bills. That's it. But I gave it anyway. And then it was the next day, if you remember the story, an older gentleman was in the lobby. And he says, I don't know why, this may sound weird, but God's telling me to give you this, and he gave me half of the money that I gave. Blew me away. And then I told you that I went into the sanctuary, and I sat down, and a younger guy, and I say younger, he was my age, he was sitting beside me, and he goes, this is weird too, but, or he didn't say too, but he said, this is weird, I have some money, and he gave me the other half of what I had given to the church. What I need you to understand, it changed my life. Because it taught me who was really in control of my money, who was in control of my life. But it also, I was overwhelmed with grace because this is something that I failed at for most of my life. And God didn't condemn me. He didn't kick me out of the church. He showed me grace in a moment of being obedient. But here's what those, those two guys didn't know is how much, not only did they change my life, but I have shared this story so many times in different sermons, and it's changed the lives of others. But the younger man, this is something I've never shared. Not long after that, he was driving late one night and he had a bad car wreck. And he crashed into a tree and he died. He had three kids. He was my age. And I started to think about that yesterday as I was preparing this sermon because we don't know when our time is up. And he wasn't perfect, none of us are. But the last thing that I remember him doing is his selfless act that not only has changed my life, but I've been able to preach over and over and over again to change the lives of others. And he had no idea. He was just being obedient in that moment, when he could have made it about himself. No, God, why would I give somebody this much money? Why would I do something like that? This is my money. Why would I give it? But he chose to be obedient. And his story has never left me. And I pray that it will never leave you. Listen, today, every selfless act that you do could change the life of somebody next to you and you wouldn't even know but every selfish act that you commit can hurt the life next to you. And for some of you, you wouldn't even know. So my question is this, what do you choose? Because if you keep living in selfishness, you're building up these walls of every relationship that you have. And Jesus gave a warning, hey, you don't know when your time is up. Don't be a selfish fool, building up only for yourself and living a life alone. God has more for you. I'm telling you today, relationships are a blessing from God. So how do we change? How do we change this habit? If you're struggling with being selfish right now or you have some relationships or maybe somebody you're with is constantly selfish, how do we change? How do we deal with them? How do we see a change of heart? I'm gonna share three truths with you before we leave today. And it's all based out of Philippians chapter two, verse three through 11. 
Paul gives us the answers. The first point is this, stop feeding the beast. Stop feeding the beast. Philippians chapter two, verse three, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. The ESV translation states it like this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. And that's hard to do, I realize that. It's hard to do, how do you let the beast of selfishness starve in your life? How do you change? Let me give you some tips. You start encouraging other people, even when you don't feel like it. You start sending out texts. All right, I'm praying for you today. You start building other people up because it's human nature to have a conversation and automatically think about yourself. But instead of talking about yourself and what's going on in your life, build them up. What are they trying to tell you? What are they saying right now in your life, in your relationship, in your marriage, if your wife is talking to you? Guys, we need to listen. I'm, pray- I'm preaching to me. The wife, to listen, because sometimes it's hard for a man to admit we're struggling. We can be prideful and stubborn and we try to be strong, but sometimes we don't feel it. And all of a sudden, when you become selfless, the wall starts to crack. And you say, you know what? I know you may be angry, but I still love you. I know this is hard right now, but I'm tired of making everything about me. We've been fighting a lot, but you know what we never do? We never talk about God. We never put God first. It's always about us, 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 what we want. What does God want for us? And all of a sudden it's, it's restored and that wall is gone. You're no longer guarded. But you know what that means? You're being vulnerable. It means you're being real with each other. And this is how you allow the beast of selfishness to starve in your life. The second point is this, you treat others with grace. You treat others with grace. Paul said it best, think of others better than yourself. Remember, we're all sinners. We're all born selfish. Romans chapter five, verse 12, Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone has sinned. I love this phrase. Somebody made the statement, we need to stop believing the lie that we come first. It's not you that should come first. It should always be God. And then love the other people, even when it's hard. And this doesn't mean allow yourself to be taken advantage of. I'm not saying you gotta let people walk all over you. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if somebody is upsetting you and doing the wrong things, then give it over to God, but don't allow your soul to be hurt and tormented by these thoughts. It's not on you, give it to God. We're all sinners. And when we see ourselves as forgiven, we show grace to others. I'm gonna have you stand on the last point. This blows me away. Last point is this. It may sound like a simple truth that you've heard from church over and over again, but I wanna share something with you. Follow the example of Christ. 
That's how you do it. Follow the example of Christ. Philippians chapter two, verse five through seven, listen to this. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Listen, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, what did he do? He gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Not only as a human, do you realize the son of God who has all power and authority chose to be an infant? The most vulnerable state of being a human. And he chose to be an infant to make a point. God is in control. Even when the devil tries to attack, God is in control. God is with you. Don't give up. And it's in those moments when we feel like we're attacked, we want to go against everybody. But don't allow selfishness back into your house or in your door. And today may be the day you're saying, God, I want to be more like you. That's my prayer. God, I want to be more like you. I want, to, I want to start being selfless. I want to start listening to other people. I want to start loving. I want to start building people up instead of myself. I don't want to be like Cain anymore. I don't want to be like Judas. I don't want to have a deceiving heart. I want to live for you. And remember, relationships were perfect in the beginning because the first established relationship with Adam was with God. It was God before it was anybody else. Are you angry? Are you hurt? Are you dealing with somebody who's selfish? I'm gonna ask our pastoral care team to come up front right now. I think we all know what it's like to deal with somebody who feels like a vampire, constantly sucking us dry taking our life, taking our happiness. But I'm telling you right now that God can restore it. God can restore your relationships. In fact, maybe you're hurt right now. Maybe you've been single for a long time and you've been praying, God, I just want a relationship. And God is saying, first, I want you to pursue me. You're looking for everybody else to have happiness. But I believe God is saying to you, even if you had that relationship, you still wouldn't be fully happy. Because it's God that you need. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.